you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Got the eye of the tiger, a fighter, dancing through the fire, cause I am a champion, and you're gonna hear me roar, oh, 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 o
They also do the, all the theme stuff for every set. So they've got the War of the Spark stuff. The Modern Horizon stuff will be either out now or coming out very, very soon. Yeah. You know, one thing I like to do, I don't know if you do this, Jimmy, is my commander is usually sleeved in a different color sleeve yes, than always. the rest of my deck because I am... do I shuffle that thing in by I always do that. And if it's blue and the rest of the deck's red, it's really easy to find. Nice. So that's something I would suggest. Uh, again, big thanks to Ultra Pro. And the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Matthew Lim. Matthew, you rock. Also, I want to say Matthew's email address is from hawaii.edu. So Matthew, how's it? Shaka. Shaka bra. Okay. Um, all right, let's get into the main topic. Uh, now, Donald, you are here. Before we dive into this, we're going to be using the resources that you provided over at EDHREC and the data that you have uh, access to. So let's talk about briefly about where the site came from and, and more specifically, where do you collate your data from before we jump into the topic and, and so people can know where all the facts are coming yeah, from? Yeah, so this is actually a question I get a lot and people are really interested in knowing because it, it does tell you a little bit about what the data is actually saying opposed to what people think it might be saying. So EDHREC is a website that takes uh, deck data, so your 99 and your commander, from a number of different websites, and I'll explain what those are, and aggregates them and summarizes some statistics, like these are the most played cards in this commander. You can do some refined things, like the most um, you know, decks that are playing Grave Pact and this commander, like what cards are being played. They have other things like budget, oh, cool. filters, and um, tribal filters, things like that. So the way that I go about doing this, the first step of this, is collecting the deck data. And uh, the deck data is collected through uh, agreements I have with currently three websites. So the first is MTG Goldfish, second is Deck Stats, and the third is Architect, which is kind of the newest uh, deck builder. And so every day, a couple times a day, I have a program that goes out and pulls these deck lists into my database. I do some cleaning, so like if you playing illegal cards or like uh, have messed up in your color identity, things like that, we, we won't save it. But so there's a little bit of cleansing and there's also deduplication. So if there's, I see a duplicate deck, even if it's um, a different, you know, it's a clone of a deck, I remove those things. But so at the end of the day, yeah, I collect these decks. I get about, um, uh, I think it's about, I want to say four or 500 a day these days. How so, many total decks are on EDA Trek? About. Yeah, uh, it's about, um, so we actually just removed a bunch of the old ones. So before we removed them, we had about 320,000. Wow. After, yeah. And then after we removed them, uh, so we're going to, we just moved recently to this two-year sliding window. So basically we're only going to be showing decks from the past two years, mostly because we saw that old decks were like really starting to mess with the stats. And uh, that's about 200,000 decks right now is like the, what's represented on the site. So yeah. still the majority of the decks are from the last two years. And on the yeah. show... On the show, I think a lot of listeners, if you've been listening for even just a short time, you've heard us reference EDHREC a lot as sort of like, hey, this card's popular. It's in yeah. 20,000 decks on EDHREC. Now, that number in a vacuum doesn't mean a lot, but it sort yeah. of tells you that like that's more than a card that's in 2,000 decks on EDHREC. Yep. Um, yep. So it's, it's likely seeing more play, although you can't necessarily say uh, it's seeing exactly 18,000 more, yeah. more yeah. deck it, it, play than... Yeah, go ahead. And just to be nuanced about the language, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a little pedantic sometimes with the statistics. These are the counts of the decks that are people are putting on the website. So it's not necessarily right. cards that people are playing or necessarily. So to acknowledge some of the biases in the data, one is that these decks may never be made. Uh, some of them must, might just be people brewing and they're just like getting an idea about the deck. So there are some things that we have to be a little bit careful about, like making too many jumps to certain conclusions. But I mean, for the most part, like 
you know, you look at the data, it kind of looks right most of the time, you know. <laughs> forget about some of the details yeah one of the things when we did our statistics episode while jimmy was gone we hired a bunch of people to break down a bunch of gameplay data Uh, and one of the interesting things we found was like when we broke down like what are the top most played cards in the decks and then we compared it to edh rec it was very very close like you know yeah it enlightened tutor was in like the second most played white card and i think it was one or two on edh rec and then that just followed all along the line which was i thought was kind of a good independent confirmation that like at least the statistics are close. Yeah, yeah. I, I think relatively they're all the, like, meaning that uh, you know, like if this cat card is more popular on EDH rec than uh, than not, I'm kind of kind of think relatively they're probably match up is usually the way that I describe things. So I try, try to s- stay away from like, yeah, this card's more. I stay stick more to like this card is more popular than this one perhaps, and maybe stay right. away from like this is 17% more popular. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's hard to get that nuance with the numbers, but you can probably say that it is more popular, just maybe not how much. Okay, that's super yeah. cool. Yeah. And if anything, it points us towards trends, which is sort of what yeah. we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and the idea of which commanders, quote unquote, make it, as in which ones become staples of the format. You see those kinds of decks around a lot, uh, which commanders are sort of flavor of the month, and then which commanders just end up being duds. And we have a lot of data to talk about here. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be going back a few sets uh, and so before we get real into it, though, the, the main statistic that we need to talk about is the mean. So uh, in, in this analysis of figuring out which ones are staples, which one are duds, we are looking at the mean. So Donald yeah. being our statistician, what is the mean? <laughs> so mean in, in general is like a fancy way of saying average. Okay, So, right. um, so basically, uh, one of the issues that we ran into when we started analysis, and by we, I want to say that um, I had some colleagues help me out with some of this data analysis. Uh, so a sh- shout out to them for do- doing such a bang up job. But um, so the problem we ran into is that commanders, when they're released, naturally are more popular. Just mm-hmm. even ones that are super popular are always going to be more popular starting up. There's a couple of examples that we found that were not like that. But so what we wanted to do is make sure that we were comparing things against this average baseline of like, what's the average life of a deck look like in terms of popularity? And it, it kind of slopes off really fast. Uh, it looks like a you know, like a backwards L and, um, it slopes down really fast and then comes out. So we wanted to get a sense of like how normal, what a normal commander, like average mean commander, uh, Mm -hmm. behaves over time. So, and that's kind of the baseline that we use to determine whether or not something was behaving above average or below average. Right. So we are looking at, uh, I think we're going to bring a graph up on screen here, but it's basically looking at the popularity across its first month as one of the more important factors, and then looking at its popularity yeah. over the second and third months. Because like you said, commanders, and we'll see this in these graphs moving forward, all are extremely high interest when they sp- when they, when they peak. More decks are being submitted, yeah. but of course those go down. So the mean and the average is going to be uh, two axes on an X and a Y. And one of them represents the how well the commander does compared to the average of the first month, and then the, the second axis is how well it does on the second and third months. So that's that indicates staying power and all yeah. that stuff. Um, and there's a nice and we looked at that because I had this hype. We kind of entered into this analysis with a particular hypothesis, and and this is something that I've been kind of peeking at for a while. Is that um, so? There's popular commanders, and then there's duds, which are pretty cl- easy to differentiate. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I really was interested in is like which commanders are I guess I feel like after playing commander for 10 years now, I've gotten pretty good at figuring out like, oh, look, look at all this hype around this commander. I know this isn't going to last. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, and so that's the t- looking at the first month versus the, the second and third months and comparing those two 
really helped us determine like which ones started up really high and then which ones ended up like starting high and ended up low, right? And that that was one of the cases that we really wanted to find that was interesting. I also think we had talked about recently the fact we had a little hypothesis unknowingly. Oh, right. Uh, that oftentimes the most powerful commander or what we would deem to be the most powerful commander in a set is not actually the most popular commander in a set. And mm -hmm. Urza was, you know, what we think yeah. will be the most likely candidate for yeah. Modern Horizons, which there won't be data on exactly at this moment, or not a ton of data on it. We might we might get a little whiff of what it might look like. But um, Vanifar was something we talked about. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see if we were correct yeah. about that and uh, if that plays out. And uh, uh, you, the audience, you too, can guess along with us when we're talking about Modern Horizons and uh, War of the Spark cards, because you know we have data up to like 35 months for some of these commanders, uh, and these new sets just coming out, we're not going to have any data, but we'll be able to analyze it as it goes on. So if you look at this graph, there it looks like there are a lot of commanders that quote-unquote make it, but there are a whole lot of duds as well. Um, and the ones that make it seem like they really make it across a longer period of time. So the ones that stay have super staying power. So the way that we classify them, uh, the way that you guys classify them, which it makes a lot of sense, is it's classified as a dud if it starts off below the average decks or below sort of the average popularity and then stays below it. Uh, and it's a flavor of the month if it starts above it and then dips below it. And then the staple or the cards that quote-unquote make it are the ones that stay start above the average and stay above the average. Are Were there any examples, just you don't have to say what, but of cards that started below average and rose above average over time? That would be really interesting. There, There's one particular example I hope we touch on okay. that uh, I, think he, I think it started above average to begin with, but it was the only example we found that increased in popularity over time. It was the uh, Titanic. Versus... It was the um, uh, Avatar of Commanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. For those that don't know, those movie uh, yeah. box office curves look opposite of most movies. Yeah, instead of starting There's... off big and going dipping, it's like, whoa, people are they're still watching it. More people, oh my gosh. I believe Titanic's like third weekend is bigger than its first weekend. It's something That's weird crazy. like that. It just doesn't happen with movies. Anyway, sorry, a movie reference for those that probably don't care. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so we'll touch on that. I'll be interested to see. Maybe I can guess what it is without having looked at a lot of the graphs. Um, okay, continue. Right, let's go on then to our very first category, which I think is the one that people are most interested in. Which commanders made it? I was surprised. I thought more commanders would be on this list. And These are the popular Yeah, commanders? the ones that stay above, start above the average and remain above the average over the course of their lifetime. This um, is the only, this is all of them? This is from Commander, since Commander oh. 2017, encompassing nine sets, about 130 new potential legendary cards. I had to count them all. Only eight legendaries we have classified here as making it. Uh, oh, so 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 actually, let me correct the analysis. Oh, sure. Maybe. Uh, so this was just the top eight highest made it. So gotcha. there were oh, other there commanders were that made more it. that made it. These are just the top eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Makes that, sense. I was like, holy crap, that's pretty low. Do you know? <laughs> do you have any idea how many fit into that category? Was it? Um, was it? Was are there ten more? Are there? Yeah, it's it, it was like in the it was like eighteen, nineteen, okay. something like that. Okay, okay. cool. So, so then, these are the top ones. So that's still about 20 yeah. out of 130 cards that were legendary. Now, a lot of them, Dominaria added a ton of legendary cards to that mix, and a lot of them were clearly not good. True, some of them were uncommons yeah, and stuff, so they were unlikely. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but this is really interesting. So if you guys take a look at this list, Moldrotha the Gravetide coming in at number one, and then we have Edgar Markov, Joda, Lord Windgrace, Gishoth, Sun's Avatar, Aminatu, Tesa Karlov, and Arkedes the Strategist. Um, interesting. Gishoth is is a little bit shocking. That is the thing that I want to talk about the most out of everything in this episode, is that Gashoth is there and Zakama <laughs> is not. not there. Yeah, that is actually a little bit nuts. Um, I was I was really 
I mean, I double checked that one too. I like, did. As I soon triple as I checked it. That. I checked it on your website. I was like, this can't be possible. Because to me, as a commander player, Zakama is clearly more powerful. It's not limited by the tribe, and it's in the exact same colors and costs approximately the same amount of mana, if not getting you a huge reduction because it untaps your lands when you cast it. So that was very and interesting. The, and there's some other examples of commanders that kind of like fit that mold recently that um, that, that were complete flavors of the month or duds. Mm-hmm. And uh, like of all the super hyper-specific tribal commanders, that seems... I guess people really like dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) one thing I would say in looking at the list is that you basically have one one legendary creature per set, and it looks like with the exception of Commander 2018, because you got Windgrace and Aminatu on here. Yeah. But everything else, it's... Well, Edgar Markov is from the previous. It's from the... Oh, right, right. It's from Commander 2017. So everything on here seems to be like Moldrotha for that set. Edgar Markov. Oh, no, Moldrotha came out with Joda, so I'm totally wrong. Um... It's okay. interesting though the well, precons the precons make sense though because they're the things that are the most bought right so I guess people are brewing it's the easiest thing for a new player to brew around I'm just saying like if ev- if if a large majority of the people gravitate towards one specific commander uh-huh. more than the rest then it's going to take a bigger bite out of the pie and it's hard for uh-huh. another commander from that set to make it high onto this list that's a good point you know assuming that. For most players, and I think this is probably true, building like three new decks every time a set comes out is not really possible. You're going to choose one yeah. most of the time. I mean, that's what I do. Rarely, rarely, rarely would I ever build two because there's just not time. Yeah. I would also say that Moldrotha and Joda, for being in the same set, have very different types of power. True. Like Moldrotha yeah. and Tesa, they have this overall just pure value, right? They're very easy to build around. Joda is all about cheating costs and like landing monstrous huge cards on the mm-hmm. battlefield. So it's mm-hmm. even kind of like Moldrotha is more of a Johnny type deck. And <laughs> Joda seems like either Spike or Timmy, right? Just kind of, you want to play the biggest thing in the world. But look, yeah, you've got one from Dominaria, one from Commander 2017. Okay, another one from Dominaria. But if you X that out, then you go Commander 2018, yeah. Ixalan, uh, Tesa is from Guilds, yeah, and then the Arcades yeah. is from M19. So it's like each set is sort of represented in there. Yeah. And these, I would say Arcades was the best of the, the cycle of dragons as well, right? It wasn't the strongest though, was it? It's I just think it's the, the most, most exciting. And the most underserved, which is like Defender Tribal. Right. Right. There's only one, think... like Duran really gets towards that, but not there, there aren't very many other cards and it's in new colors. So I could see that being interesting for, I guess, more casual brewing. But it's it's so hard to conjecture, to have conjecture about this when it's just like, well, maybe someone just wanted to make a deck list and never made it into a real deck. <laughs> I I actually wonder, I hope somebody from uh, Watsi is watching this and uh, because I think it it might be designer-centric, you know? Like maybe some of the Watsi designers are better that... Ah, um, making specific commander cards. Oh, would it be really interesting to know who designed each legendary creature yeah. and, yeah, then and then who seeing has who's the on hits? the list? Yeah. Uh, well, they can they can do that. They they probably won't give it. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they're all pretty good. Gavin, Ethan, yeah. Sean Main was there for a lot of this stuff. I mean, everybody over there can make good cards. So I would be surprised. So I had some questions for this first data set, which is the first question we already asked, which is Gashoth versus Zakama. Gashoth is number fourteen on the list on EDH Rec, and Zakama is number seventy one. So it's like, what yeah. is the difference in that between? That is shocking. What's the difference? And I was thinking, could it be that tribal just, we've never had tribal dinosaurs and it came out in the sets? Or could it be that there's a common deck typically costs more because it's all about ramping out and those kinds of cards like Mana Vault and stuff cost a lot of money. And there's a common deck seems more spiky in nature as opposed to less like what, you know, because we're drawing from a few websites and I would say Goldfish has more competitive decks on there for sure. But who knows? 
I mean, that's huge, right? 14 Donald, do you have any any thoughts on you know what? It, I mean, could the data yeah, yeah. be incorrect I, in any way here, or do you? Th- no, I, I mean, this is pretty like there just aren't as many Zakama decks, and mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I'm not sure that that for me per, personally, I'm, I'd be more excited about building a Zakama deck than a Gashant deck. I think I could, and it sounds like the three of us kind of agree on that. So maybe there's some sort of bias there about who we are. Um, As but, players, yeah, perhaps. I mean, my uh, my seven-year-old has a Gashanth deck. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gashanth is definitely more Timmy than yeah. Zakama is. I'm, yeah. I, I, yeah. Big dinosaur it, bringing it, out more dinos. It goes towards what we're saying, which is Zakama is more of a powerful card right. than but that doesn't always equal popularity, right? Yeah. Power and popularity don't go together. Well, one thing I kind of asked myself, too, about some of these commanders, and I think some of them may be better examples is Zakama, but um, does the card need to exist? Like, is there demand for some sort of archetype that it's supporting? I think Arcadia Sabbath, or um, Arcadia the Strategist is a, is a good example of that. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Gashanth is also. Um, and, it, you know, there's I guess there's some sort of demand for that archetype. And Zakama is good but is uh you know i think it kind of lends itself to this good stuff deck of i guess naya control of some sort um yeah, just not a good right. stuff which is the, the, uh, an actual name for a deck right yeah like, and maybe naya good stuff's not like a good to make like uh I'd be it's much a good deck but it's not exciting to build right, right. you don't go yeah. oh boy i want to build this good yeah. stuff deck <laughs> yeah like yeah, it doesn't like, get you like grixis is like a great good stuff right. wedge you know it's like yeah. um yeah, well, it's interesting. interesting. That's what I was going to ask about Arcadis because Verena also exists within this same set uh, period of time that we're looking at. And, sh- and Verena's like ultimate zombie tribal in three colors. But I guess we just have so many zombie yeah. options that that card didn't take off in the same way that Arcadis did. Right, the vote's getting split on Verena because there's a ton of zombie decks yeah. possible. Yeah. Where As if you want to build defender tribal, wall tribal, yeah. Arcadis is kind of like your only real good option. Yep. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. Doran and there are a few others have done it poorly in the past, but Arcadia mm-hmm. is just clearly better than those most of the time. And then you have Joda versus a card like Ramos, which kind of is similar, right? Making huge tons of mana, but I guess Joda is just way easier to use. And the Ramos thing requires a little bit more to build yeah. around. But it's interesting to see the difference in the numbers. Like Joda's number four popularity right now, and Ramos is number 24. So it's still popular, but nowhere near as like, just like look at Joda, you know how it's, how it's cool. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Okay, let's move to the next section. Yes, flavors of the month. Which commanders were like, dang, I really love mint chocolate chip with that Rocky Road swirl, but after a bit, it gets real old. If I eat that every day, I don't yeah, like exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. I didn't know where you were going at first, but, I bought, <laughs> I, uh, but now I'm just hungry. Uh, so this graph is much less impressive than the first one, as in all the little bars are just right by the average, right? They're starting right above it, and they're sort of dipping below it. Um, and the list here, we have Amara, Soul of the Accord, Prime Speaker Vanifar, which I would have expected to be one that made it, Tishana, Voice of Thunder, Azoni, Thousand-Eyed, Lazav, the Multifarious, Nikia of the Old Ways, Nikia, and Yenet, Cryptic Sovereign. This is very interesting. Look at how many of these cards are from Ravnica. Yeah, yeah actually. Uh, Amara, Azona, Vanifar, Azoni, Lazav, Lazav Amara, yeah. yeah, Nikia. Um, Vanifar, you called out, and that's an interesting one to me, but this is one I would have actually thought would be on this list, because to me, Vanifar is a deck that Mm-hmm. the way it probably plays out is you're excited to build it when you first do it. You play it a few times and you realize, oh, this deck does the same thing every time. <laughs> right. It, it very specifically yeah. does the same thing every time because mm-hmm. of the way that the commander is built. And so, you know, once I sacrifice a three CMC thing, I'm always going to go get the same four CMC thing and then yep. go up the chain in the same way each time. And so I can see that being like, 
you real the realization as you play it or as you see it played of like oh I don't actually this isn't that fun as I thought it was going to be right mm-hmm. so I can see that one starting out yeah. as exciting and dipping down lower and being like which is what we've seen I haven't seen a ton of Anifar decks out in the wild it's pretty linear right yeah. I, I personally experienced one of these on this list so I would like to say too bait, kind of a little bit more background on these these were just a couple of examples that we pulled out uh, there were a lot of commanders that fit this category you know i should have got a, the, the the exact number but there, there are a lot that do this and um yeah i would assume this is the the average yeah. of your commander yeah. if you just flip a coin on average yep. it's going to land yep. to being a yep. flavor and of the month. I, I mean i personally experienced this one for example uh, i built a lazab multifarious deck i opened one in a pre-release and really liked it in my mm-hmm. uh my sealed pod and uh, i mean it was a really fun card to play with and i was like oh he's gonna be a shapeshifter he's gonna do all kinds of crazy things and um it just it just wasn't very good and uh, and I think you know it, it also w- doesn't have hexproof like the other yeah. Lazav, which is just very nutty on that card. Yeah, so I, I think I've gotten burned by it a couple times. I think on mm. other on the other end too, you know, some of the ones that I saw as well were like um, like Admiral Beckett Brass, for example, was one that was really popular kind of at the beginning, and then I mean right. at this point now is not seeing any play anymore. Um, and no new pirates. Ooh, yeah. Well, but but one thing that's really interesting is like compare that to Gashant that they were released in the same set. Um, mm-hmm. They both had super narrow tribes, and one survived and one didn't. And um, could thought, it just be the raw power level of the card? Because Gashant, you so. play it and it kind of happens. Yeah. Uh, but with Beckett Brass, you have to you have to hit with a lot of creatures to like really get that triggered ability going. And you know, it's it, if it's a Timmy, more Timmy like. The draw is more to the Timmy crowd, like play big, huge things. Pirates yeah. aren't big, huge things, right? right? So if you're like, going to like that, you're going to just gravitate towards like wizards or something that's just a better tribe. Yeah. I think after you try it, because there's just not enough support for the pirates. Question yeah. is, what if they did that, but with ninjas and Becca Brass was like a ninja? Well, they did, Eureka. I know, right? Yeah, and so, that's a hugely popular. Yeah. So, yeah. It's going to so, be more popular because of Modern Horizons. Yeah, I absolutely. think probably that has something to do with it too. Like Interesting. if they do another set and they put a bunch of more dinosaurs in, Gashoth is probably going to, you know, bump back up, depending if they give you a new legendary option mm-hmm. for dinosaurs, maybe not. But if they if they don't, then that's going to be the go-to for dinosaurs, maybe. So that yeah. could have something to do with some of this stuff. I think um, a lot of the uh, Flavor of the Month commanders, too, will probably fit in this category, which is they're just better inside the deck rather than leading it, right? They're, like, good enough to catch your attention to, to float the idea that they might be good leading a deck, but ultimately... They're all. They almost sort of all fit into another deck that has a strategy that they can abuse. Mm-hmm. Token wise, Azoni Thousand Eye may not be the best commander, like, but it's an amazing card in any green black deck that has dredge, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see. Um, and Nikia too, I think, is the ultimate example of that. You don't want to play. You don't necessarily want to have <laughs> the the mana doubling ability on your commander. You'd rather have you know yeah. Zendikar Resurgence and those kinds of cards in the middle that can do that instead. I think. I want to throw. Go I ahead, no. The, the one example that I saw in here that w- stood out from the different ones, and I specifically remember watching this when it came out, was Tishana. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, uh, Simic had gotten... Simic, I think, of all the uh, two-color combinations, Gales, has probably yeah. gotten the most, right? And yeah. um, I think I think that one was a case of... I mean, wasn't there, like, the... There was the next... Um, uh, it's, it's, expl- it's, it's escaping me now, but, but there was another... A semi commander that was like very similar to in the next set or something like that. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. To Sean, I mean, they they, they kind of went on that merfolk thing, yeah. and also just like in general, it's like you're going to draw cards and play lands and draw <laughs> cards, or something's going to draw you a card and it There's revolves. Kumena, yeah, Kumena, yeah. right, right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's just what Simic does, right? Draw you a ton of cards or give you a bunch of mana. Value, or, yeah. I mean, 
Prime Speaker Zagana is not that different than yeah. Shauna. <laughs> when you get when you break it down, like yeah. they both just draw you a bunch of cards. Pure and Toothy, and then you got Tatiova. Yeah. I mean, like right, right. I'm getting tired. Um, and so I think again, the votes getting split. I think on those yeah. cards. Um, yeah. And yeah. if and if don't none of them really stand out in the same way that sort yes. of the cards in the first one do, then they they fall by the wayside. I don't want to throw this paper because what if we refer to these later? I'll, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm not going to throw the paper on this one. Jimmy is though. Because we have two. Okay, true. All right, last category, the saddest category. Which commanders were <laughs> womp womp duds? Uh, these commanders, uh, they started below the mean, the average, and then they stayed below the average. These are the box office uh, bombs. Yeah, the box office bombs for yeah. sure. Um, this is Geely. <laughs> I think you can kind of guess <laughs> a lot Avatar. of these okay. are uncommons from Dominaria. Cards yeah. like Slin Voda, Zahid, the Djinn of the Lamp, Quenda, Pride of... Femeref, Rona, Disciple of Geeks. There's two colors there, at least. Yep. Kazarov, Nyambi, Garna, Trustani. Like, Nyambi, Faithful Healer, is literally just a legendary creature that was built into that pre-con deck to fetch out a specific Teferi that no one plays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... So, definitely going to be some of the le- un- most underperforming of all time. There are multiple cards on this list. I don't even know exactly what they do. <laughs> I'll be honest. Well, th- there, there's a surprisingly num- high number. I mean, if you go look at, like, the EDHREX stats... Command, set by set i mean every set has like three or four of them that just are complete duds where mm-hmm. they're not even going to see, see any play and, and i think there's a lot of them that you could just say like oh they didn't design that for commander at all right um and that's right. fair maybe dominator is it but but there's a couple in there that are like we're designed for you th- i think we're designed for commander but just like they just didn't, didn't, didn't find mark. any audience like, at all the yeah. one that the perfect example of that I think is the one oh man the name escapes me the one that like the white one that like sh- 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 um oh, switches uh, its uh, life Halcyon yeah Evra Halcyon something yeah you can pay four and you'll switch your life total with yeah. its power and it has life link yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like like that I I don't really see playing that I don't know maybe I don't know much about other formats but because you gotta be crazy <laughs> yeah and you have to give haste to it and mono white somehow so you don't just get yeah. axed out of nowhere what if he just gets path like there's so many bad things that could happen in that scenario yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and even in the and commander it's sets, white already. Yeah, <laughs> even even in the commander sets, there's yeah. duds. So there's a few duds, which I w- I really do wonder if they go back and they say, well, these are duds. Like, usually they, they're the Boros or red ones. Um, right. Which, oh, there was uh, the Jund one. What was our um? Yeah, there there's this yeah. last uh, commander product. There was a bunch of duds. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and some of those old cards they reprint just aren't viable as commanders, even though they're old legendaries, and they sort of put them in there as options for you. I, I mean, how many times when we, like, maybe once or twice, and when we review the precons, we go, you sh- you're better off using this right. uh, instead of the, what the <laughs> yeah. commander it comes with. Yeah. Um, so they're almost better always as just supporting. So uh, unfortunate for the duds, I would say a lot of commanders end up down here, and uh, it's okay to be a dud. You're just... It's okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, your status. All right, next we're going to talk about whether we can predict which commanders are staples, which are flavor of the month, which are going to yes. be duds. Yeah, we're going to go into prediction mode here. But before we get into that, we got to stop and take a break so we can hear a message from our sponsors. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. 
when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we are back. And now that we've talked about how to determine or predict which commanders are going to be staples, flavor of the month, or duds, it's time for us to make some predictions of our own, as well as you, the listener at home. Bring out your bingo cards. <laughs> we're going to figure out. We're going to talk about some cards uh, and, and sort of make our own predictions uh, because, again, we don't have enough information for more of the Spark or Modern Horizons to sort of do this three-month average uh, that we've been doing for right. everything else. War hasn't been out for three months yet. Yeah, exactly. Modern Horizons hasn't either, just in case you didn't know. True. So <laughs> I, I, before we go into it, some of the things that we've discovered are staple traits. Uh, so the cards need to be powerful and popular, right? Recurrable, consistent value seems to be a big one. The Planeswalkers, Moldrotha, um, and then also popular but underserved strategies. So Arquedes and Gishoth with being tribal, defender, and dinosaur, and then just raw power level. Or if it's five color, I've, I've seen also, like, uh, does well. The best com- performing commander out of Battle Bond by far is that red one that's five color. Oh, uh, Najila? Najila, yeah. Yeah, but also the most powerful card yeah. uh, commander. That's a tier one deck if you build it that way. And but in general, I would thing. say often the most powerful card is not the most, po- most popular. Yeah, they have to sort of balance between the two. So let's take a look. Uh, obviously, War of the Spark, Feather of the Redeemed, Niv-Mizzet Reborn, and the God Eternals are, uh, are what I thought might be up there. Um, clearly Feather as being the Boros savior of all time. This card just blew up statistically, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's already the pop, most popular Boros commander, I think, uh, in the past two years. And um, it just does something really different. It's un, it's an underserved, you know, I mean, underserved in the sense that all the other Boros commanders suck. Uh, <laughs> and, well, um, it's underserved in that if you want to play Boros in a yeah. way that is not involving you in combat specifically, mm-hmm. you didn't really have a lot of options, right? So this actually opened up a bunch of cards that you could now play that you never could put in a deck before. You know, all these combat tricks that draw you a card and things like that are just not playable cards in a deck. And I think we see that across, like, 
that's really what Arcades is. Yeah. yeah. You know, Arcades is saying like, hey, all these wall and defender cards that you just couldn't play with before, now you can put these all in a deck. And people get excited because they've yeah. got a bunch of those cards already in their box and they just haven't had a home farm. And so they're like, sweet, all these cards I can never play are now cards that are good in this deck. And make it really easy to build as well and cheap, right? Yeah, yeah and Feather fits that mold to a T. I, uh, I wonder though, I think the one thing that I am nervous about for Feather is that I think it it does force you to build a pretty. It, it has a feather's going to have a lot of staples, like a, a good. Yeah. I think thirty to forty cards are going to be decided for you just by choosing that commander, and uh, I think that lack of customization that it affords you, I think, might make it suffer in the long term. But I think we're playing in new territory here since it's Boros, and I'm not really sure what's going to happen. But yeah. a large percentage of those cards are just like you don't need them anywhere else, like shelter yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. That's just gonna be like there's no reason <laughs> to take that deck apart because yeah, you don't point. need yeah, you don't need Balduvian Rage in any of your other decks. So you're just like <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> I may as well keep this deck together. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I would say every set we would get minimum one, maybe two cards that would go well in Feather. Pretty much every set guaranteed. Because it's a part of just how limited works for red. They like to have... Defiant Strike is just like a card we, yeah. you wouldn't even look at for Commander. But now, hey, if you got a Feather deck, it can go in there. So, yeah. really good point. so Feather, by far the most popular Commander from uh, War of the Spark. And it's followed uh, somewhat closely by Niv-Mizzet Reborn. And then after that, it sort of drops off very steeply to uh, Ilharg, the Razebor, Tosamir, and then of, of the God Eternals, God Eternal Kefnet, although it's very close with Oketra in terms of their relative popularity. Um, this doesn't surprise me. Again, I think five color is a really easy way to get people to go, oh, I can sort of build whatever I want around this, and it's generically powerful. Uh, and that very much is the case, I think, with Niv-Mizzet Reborn. I mean, and, I think Niv-Mizzet is consensus the most powerful right. of the commanders from this set. You know, I mean, five again, colors, draws you a ton of cards. It's just a big flyer in the air. A lot yeah, of value tied on there. And you don't a, need to be like Tulsimir, which is just wolves. Yeah, it's a borderline <laughs> tier one deck if you build it correctly again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think any commander any commander that gives you gas in some way, right? Like, I think yeah. those, like Muldroth is a good example of that. Um, Nivisit's a good example. That Arcades is even a good example of that because it draws off the defender. So right, I right. think people like just getting more cards. And I really don't like commanders that just sit around where I'm top decking all day either. So, yeah. <laughs> Ilharg's a little surprising. I- I'm not surprised by Tulsimir because it fits that Arcades mold of yeah, like, uh, hey, like all your shot. wolves, what yeah. were you doing with them before? <laughs> like, seriously, what deck were they going in? I mean, before we even knew Morophon existed, there was l- not really a commander for wolves at all. Now yeah. there's kind of two, but Tulsimir I would expect to be up there. Ilharg, though. Yeah, interesting, right? Maybe it's just because red is so starved of value that anytime someone gets a chance to do something, like I, I would be interested to see if Atali which is that four red red guy that when yeah. he swings, you know, you're exiling cards off your opponent's library. If that card has any similarities to the growth rate of what Ilharg is, because they mm. seem that like... That just better than Ilharg, right? Yeah, I think so, but they feel very similar to me, right? In that they're about tacking, they're mono-red, they do something that red's not great at doing. We'll see. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, I'm, I am surprised by Ilharg because it is pretty narrow. You, I mean, you're you're, you're surprised it's so high or so low? So high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. Too. I'm just, it's not doing anything soup like, like Atali's a really good example. Right. I, I, I would build Atali first every time over Ilharg. What surprises me is that Neheb, Dreadhorde Champion, so he lets you discard your entire hand and yeah. redraw it and then add that much red mana. Like, that, I feel like, is the best red effect here. 
Itali still, I think, is slightly more powerful, but I think that that Neheb card is. I was interested because it's I was like, definitely more powerful than Ilharg. I would yeah, say. Yeah, I was like, yeah. that is what Red needs. That yeah. seems like it would be a more likely candidate for Commander, but maybe people aren't as interested in that effect as just dropping a huge creature with Ilharg. I think I think in Black Red though, uh, Neheb has a little bit more competition um, for really strong commanders. And, no, no, uh, this is the mono red Neheb from oh, Lord of the Spark oh, that right, we're yeah, talking yeah. about. For some reason, That's like yeah. when yeah, it does, yeah, deals yeah, combat yeah. damage, you uh, discard yep. and then add that much red yeah. and draw that many cards. Yeah. Um, Which seems pretty darn good for red, but hey, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, I like that Neheb almost more than my current Neheb, but it makes sense. I, I think there's so much, again, when you overwhelm people with so many choices and you're releasing sets so constantly, you are only going to see the absolute best drift to the top. Yeah. And everything else, I think, is just sort of going to be in contention around the same area below. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Donald, but I would say everything below Niv-Mizzet. So Ilharg, Tulsimir, Kefneto, Ketra, Fibblethip, Massacre Girl, Neheb, Rolesk, they're probably within the statistical um, plus-minus to be relatively close to even, you know, is yeah. that is that is yeah, that yeah. like fair yeah, to say? So I, I think yeah. I think the way this is trending right now, if things don't change, is that Feather and Mizzet are going to quote unquote make it, mm-hmm. um, and then the Ilharg, like the people that are building Ilharg all the way down to, you know, like Massacre Girl, Neheb, are, I mean, we're just not going to see those decks in six months. Um, It'll be roughly the same amount of people for all those decks, and it yeah. won't be a ton. Yeah. yeah. I would predict that God Eternal Kefnet does the best out of that whole group because Mono Blue, I think a lot of people, if they want to build it and they don't want to go super spiky, they always have other ways of doing it that might be yeah. fun. I mean, Kefnet yeah. is... The original Kefnet, I still is, see decks of that around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but you got it really This Kefnet is ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Oh, so, so good segue, Donald. You're a pro. <laughs> Moving on to Modern Segway Horizons here. Segway Man showed up. Has been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Maybe since Donald's <laughs> Maybe since been on the Donald. show. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Which was like 17 years ago. Yeah. Um, so Modern Horizons on the horizon, and we have very, very little data about this one, right? Like the Because ha- people can start building decks maybe like only within the last like week or so. Yeah, this. it depends yeah. on when the websites even add the cards to yeah. be able to add to your deck. Um, yeah, but- and some are spoiled sooner than others. So I, mm-hmm. uh, it, the the data before the release date's all kind of all kinds of messed up. Right. Oh yeah. Because if Urza Preview was very hype. early, we heard yeah. it was like the second day of spoilers. So that they just had more time to brew that online than say uh, something that came out more lately. True. I don't yeah. know the order of all of them. So well, also like how many people saw our preview video as opposed to a blog post about another card right. that may be a better commander even. Right. It's just the information takes a little while to filter out. So yeah. Uh, okay. So let me just read off the legendary creatures in Modern Horizons, and then we'll talk about them a little. So there's Urza, the mono-blue one, Yogmoth, the mono-black one, Sisse, five-color, Ayula, the bear, tribal, Pashalik... Pashalik Mons? <laughs> Pashalik no Mons, the goblin-y one. First Sliver, five-color slivers, Hogak, the Golgari... Dredge. Dredge convoke one, and Morophon, the open-ended tribal five-color. Yeah. What would you predict, Donald... And viewers and listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they, we can't, <laughs> we're not going to hear their answer right now. <laughs> I, I don't know. If you listen hard enough, you may be able to listen, hear the future. We'll hear them from the future. <laughs> uh, Donald, what would you predict is going to make it from this list? I'm going to choose one I definitely think is going to make it. I, I mean, I think Urza is definitely going to make it. Um, mm-hmm. That card is just too good. Um, it's good, it's versatile, it does what Blue wants to do. I think it does some things that are different than other blue commanders too. It's not like stepping on anybody's toes too much, and oh, um, I, I mean it's 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 got CDH 
potential, I think. Uh, it's got regular person potential. I don't know. It, <laughs> regular person potential. All That's us regular sense. folk <laughs> while CDH runs away with it, clearly. Do you, do you think Urza will be the most popular? I, okay, okay, so... I think it's gonna make it, but I think I think there's a couple of other here that are gonna make it too. Um, yeah, you know I think uh, I think that the Amorophon, the tribal thing, is gonna make it. Um, has to. That has one to. is my easy vote because it just it's any tribe you want. Amorophon's your man. I think Amorphon, not it, not not it, only they, that. They. We may see like a new tribe get released with a new set that would you know needs to be built with this guy. And oh, um, interesting. I just yeah, think anytime it's... if they come up with like you know some new tribe for some new plane, mm-hmm. Morphon will be the default yeah. commander for that. So in that month, nine months from now or eighteen months from now, it'll just bump it back up ah. at that point, right? Yeah, but but point. pre right now on the stats, it's actually in fifth out of the eight, uh-huh. uh, which is which is in, it's got half the number of decks of Urza. Oh, does. He's cheating. He already knows the, the, oh, the no, stats. He's got yeah, the okay. Stats. I've, I've got okay the... Don't tell us. Don't tell us the stats yet because we okay, want to okay, guess. Okay, that, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. So, okay, so I'll I'll stop there. I think I okay, think there's okay. um one other that's more fun, it, but I'll I'll let you guys go. Okay, right. Urza's number one clearly. I think it has the most hype. See, I disagree. I, I think, think it's going to be flavor of the month. Yeah, that's where I think that's what I think. Go I think to, it's yeah. going to go the way of Vanifar. I think it'll be seem like it's popular, and it'll actually end up being like not that popular in the right. long run. Yeah. Um, I think Ayula, Queen Among Bears, is going to make it I'm super with you. hard. I'm for, with you. for the remainder of time, this is going to be one of the most <laughs> popular commanders of all time. I'm just calling it now. Yeah, I'm with you. It, there's so many bears in the history of Magic. You and it's re- like janky and cute. Yeah. Like, you know, you pull out your bear tribal deck and it's like... But powerful. It, it, I think that card is legit good. And yeah. let, that deck will be like good. But it won't be like... It can't be a 9 out of 10. It, no. it tops out at a 7... Or so, but that's perfect for most playgroups. Yeah, and it's po- definitely going to be popular. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think a Eula for me is like a going to be popular. Yeah. It'll it'll make it out of this group. I think Morophon as well. I agree with Donald. Um, I could see the first sliver just on the basis that people love slivers. I don't know who they are, <laughs> but, but I know it's a very popular. There archetype. just are m- multiple options right now to build slivers and this is another one and it's a very good one but yeah. is it better than sliver queen uh, i'm yeah i think sliver yeah. overlord is still the best uh yeah overlord and can, yeah and it can fetch this guy too so it's kind of like right you know do i right uh, this first sliver can't fetch overlord or queen but overlord can get the other one so mm-hmm. it makes sense if you're really going to build a sliver deck you probably go i'm just saying also it splits the vote like yeah there's, there's just, so many choices yeah. and you could run more fun as a sliver like I think Morphon would to. be a sweet Eldrazi travel, by the way. Five-color Eldrazi, finally. Um, it it okay. doesn't reduce the cost. Of, well, I guess... Does it work on the Devoid ones? Yeah, it does. Yeah, so. I guess so. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think Sissy's got to be up there because I, I think the five-color thing gives her a slight bump over everyone else. I think it she's does, just, too. Yeah, I just think she's not that... I think Yawgmoth's actually more interesting mm-hmm. than Sissy. I think I think Sissy might edge out because uh, Planeswalkers... Like, just Super Friends is a really yeah. popular archetype, right? Interesting. And I think it's pretty yeah. good for it. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so Urza number one. Um, I'm going to say Ayula number two for me. And then Yawgmoth's to say... This is out fun. the gate? This is out the gate. What Donald has in front of him right now. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Ding, 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 what do we got? What are we What are we looking at right now? Which is super early, folks. I just want to say yeah. this, this. And so this many different factors out. are, are going to affect this. Read down yeah. the order for us, Donald. Yeah, so right now... Uh, this is shortly before release. Urza is the highest at 48 decks. 
Um, but also too, maybe biased a little bit because it's spoiled a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, we also challenge our viewers to make the deck, so maybe we're actually single-handedly pushing that yeah. forward. Uh, Sissé's next um, ah. with 35. Um, yep, and then Ayula is then after that, but Ayula, Yogmoth, and Morophon are all within a few decks. So, uh, okay. so um, those that's kind of the next tier down, and then you you take a next step down to down to 18 decks at first sliver, and then you take a long, 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 long. <laughs> long way down down to hogak at three decks oof <laughs> poor hogak and, and pasha like at, at three decks as well so who are the three people that vote pasha like let me know tweet at me <laughs> i want to know who you are i mean that's just not a super interesting deck to build it's gonna it's, be goblin yeah, tribal you could build and, so many other better goblin decks well too. not just better just like if you're gonna build that deck you don't have to yeah. actually even go on to right. a site and build it you can just be like look up a grenzo deck yeah do that right and just put, right you know right, what i mean right. like you don't yeah, have yeah. to i, you I have I, to do a lot of brewing i i have a mono red goblin deck that i've kind of swapped out the commanders for now and then and I, I just can't take this one seriously. It's not. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not good. Um, it's no Ayula. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got. It's got a lot of competition, and I just don't think a lot of people are going to build it. They also the the there's a the new Krenko, um the the Ten Street whatever. Right. Uh, is pretty Mom decent, boss, right? And I think That's people are building that. Spark, yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. yeah. I predict Urza will be not the top in three months, though. I think Ayula's just going to stay the most consistent just forever. More fun Ayula, or maybe Dark Horse Yawgmoth, I think, in three months will be okay. more I popular. I don't think... I, I, I'm a mono-black player, and I'm not, I'm, I was a little disappointed with... Um, with Yawgmoth? With Yawgmoth, to be honest. Uh, I think it was I mean, close, but... It's going to be sad. Anything to Urza. <laughs> that no other mono-colored commander, I think, has ever come close to what Urza presents, just in terms of, like, it's all here. Yep. Which is pretty nuts. Yep. Okay. I'm about to talk about something that I think is really interesting. Okay. And Donald brought up as well, which is the Game Nights effect. Now, we talk about a lot of things having an effect on this. You know, people talking about spoilers, previews, when sets come out. And, of course, we also happen to feature a lot of cards on our side as well. People have told us that we have sold cards out of Card Kingdom because we featured them so heavily. Treasure tokens around the world cower in fear when they hear <laughs> Josh Lee Kwai's name. Shadowborn Apostles. <laughs> Shadowborn Apostles, yeah. And I mean, that's a special case, let's that be is honest. Because if anybody's going to buy that card, they'd have to buy 30 of them. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, 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 and you get them all from Josh Lequai's store, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. never sold a single card. So. Josh does have a storehouse of... What card was it that you have a bunch of still? Supreme Verdict. Ah, yeah. I went on just... Brainstorm Brewery once, and I got excited. Yeah. And, yeah. But I've still literally never sold a card online. Yeah. Like, I just, they just all sit there. <laughs> so let's talk about and look at some statistics on game nights when the episodes are released and the podcast as well, because we do deck tech as well, and see if it has an effect on card popularities and sort of the meta around the world. This is the beauty of EDH Rec. All of this data is able to be tracked. Um, so you kind of look at the date when that game nights came out and then the immediate aftermath as far as like how many decks of those types are built like yeah. in the following days. Yeah. So game nights number 11. This is, uh, I'd say, still in the infancy of Game Nights, right? We hadn't gotten to our... We just moved to a new this set. This was the first uh, episode that was on our new set. That's right. That wasn't in your condo. Yeah. It wasn't a GoPro taped to a lamp. <laughs> it was a GoPro taped, taped to, to a, a different thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, what a beautiful day. Um, and then I remember that, that too, that the GoPro footage messed up, and I got so upset because they didn't record at the right resolution. Oh, yeah, oh. the resolution changed. But yeah. we did have the windows behind us for the yeah. first time. And, yeah, that was yeah, cool. yeah. Um, Okay, so we played Gashoth, Sun's Avatar, Take a Damage, Amaral Beckett Brass, 
Tishana, Voice of Thunder, and Vona, Butcher of Magan. And it doesn't actually look like anything happened here, does it, Donald? No. <laughs> Not, well, this had I mean, zero effect on... on I think uh, um, the the when I looked at a really... So the graph that is on here, you can see that Ad, Admiral Beckett Brass has shifted a little bit to the left of that line. I, mm -hmm. I did look at that. I, I think that that data, that spike was caused by... Um, when I looked at the data at a more fine comb uh, look. Um, no, so I, th I think of that... That was the uh, deck that won notably. Yeah. yeah. Can, there's there's a line down the middle of each of these graphs we're going to show, or not down the middle, but there's a line. Is that the date when Game Nights came out? Yeah. So the, okay. the problem is, the, the problem with this, this analysis is we do a little bit of smoothing on the lines because if you look at it, if you plot the data day by day, there's so much up and down that mm -hmm. um, that uh, we, we have to smooth it out by the week to actually make right. like a chart that makes some sense. So that spike that you see on the on the Beckett brass, like that, basically is. The, the, there were there were quite a few decks that were put out directly after the the video um, that contributed to that spike. But also too, there was a a building up to the video as well. So there were it seemed like maybe it was increasing already. So uh, I mean, it's got to be hard to way. parse because people are naturally excited about new cards when they come out and yeah. game rights tend are coming out like when the set is not quite released. So yeah, like they're already like, like if we came out with the, well, we're going to come out with our modern horizons one, Urza's not in it. We've already said, but mm -hmm. if it was, and it won that game, it would be hard to tell yeah. because people are just naturally already building yep. a lot of Urza decks right now. So right. yeah, it's it, hard it, to sort of. Yeah, I, I agreed. I, I think for a lot of the ones that, when I was looking at the data for the ones where you guys were doing like a, a topical kind of episode like that, uh, I, I had a hard time really determining whether it was um, related to. But you guys had a couple of examples. I'll segue into maybe a couple the next one. You guys had Before a we of segue, examples. I just I just want everyone to look at Vona on this poor graph. Poor Vona. <laughs> poor no one cared about Vona. It's just <laughs> slithering it's, along the bottom. Poor it's, just, Vona. it's just not good. Game Night's number 16, one that uh, I won, just so everyone remembers, uh, <laughs> featuring Animar, Soul of Elements. Uh, oh, yeah, this was the Animar Morph deck. Yes, Grenzo, uh, Numont the Devastator, and Rushmi, Eternity's Crafter. Now, notably, Animar has a huge spike here, but yeah. this was also the first time it had ever been reprinted, and the price for Animar had like really gone up. Or gone down. Yeah, or gone down. So I'm interested to see uh, uh, if you think that was partially due to the show, or if you think it was a combination of both the card now being more easily accessible to people that wanted to build Animar in the past but w couldn't? Yeah. So um, a, a lot of these episodes, as a uh, viewer myself of your, of your content, um, <laughs> the, the, the one thing that um, you guys hit every now and then is uh, kind of like a unique idea of, around a deck that really, and especially when it plays well in the game, it really inspires me personally to like look into building the deck, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and particularly remembering that episode, I felt that way after watching that episode, right? So uh, I, I, I do believe that I, I think this spike is, is a real spike like that you guys were involved in um, that breathed some new life into the deck by playing it in a slightly different way. And people like morphs and it, it just seemed like it, it, it hit the right. And I think chords. it would be easier to tell on an episode like this because it's not like Animar, Grenzmo, Rushmi, Numat right. were cards that were brand new. The, yes, some of them were getting reprinted and some weren't. But at the same time, they had been around for a while. So so a spike in interest in those can be more likely attributed to us than yeah. something like the Ixalan uh, episode. Big uh, shout out to Vinny for yep. making the deck then. The Animar Morph deck? Yeah, yeah that yeah. is a sweet deck. Uh, okay, so the next one is another episode that was not tied to a set release. 
and this is Game Night's number 18. We had The Professor and Wedge. This was their second episode mm-hmm. where um, we played Commander. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was playing Athreos. Prof was playing Sig. Jimmy, you were playing Neheb the Worthy, and Wedge was playing Ruhan of the Fomori. I was deemed unworthy that game. This is the deck that I... There's two decks I've played on game nights that the most people tell me they built that deck and they have my version of the deck or some version of uh-huh. my version. Uh, and this Athreos Shadowborn Apostles one is easily yeah. the top deck that uh, people tell me, like, hey, I built that deck because of you and I have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I mean, look at this graph. There is a huge spike after the show released. And notably, we also usually do the deck techs for the decks usually like a week later. This was a day after the episode release we put right. out your deck tech as well. So there may yeah. be then a little bit of extra fuel there as well. Yeah, this one was in one in particular. This this is a real spike. Uh, <laughs> he did it, Josh. It, this is probably <laughs> not what, not what we're trying to do. I just want to put that out there <laughs> yeah, in any yeah, way. Yeah, like yeah. we're just playing decks we <laughs> think just, are fun. Yeah, I, I I wish we could play a deck and the price of everything would go down. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't like that Shadowborn Apostles got so much more expensive, but it's just kind of a side effect of like the deck's cool. It mm-hmm. played well. What are we supposed to do? Like that's what we're trying to do on the show is be entertaining and show cool things off. And the side effect, I actually don't think is good, but I, there's no way for us to remove that side effect. Yeah. yeah. If anything, maybe people will build it, it, similar it was, decks, was, but yeah. Yeah. It was a relatively uh, good idea, too, for a deck. You know, I, I think... Um, oh, thank you, Donald. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 it was just it was just like, it, it wasn't something that I think a lot of people had thought about right. doing. Uh, and it seemed to work really well with Shadowrun Apostles, which are a cool idea in general. So, I mean... I I wasn't surprised at all by this, and even when I was watching the episode, I was like, I was like halfway through, I was like, yeah, I need to buy like a bunch of these. <laughs> uh, well, you weren't the only and, one. Uh, I I didn't, of course. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's how I bought my new car is uh, selling Shadowborn <laughs> Apostles. I often I often wonder I often wonder if let's say the deck didn't win that that game, right? Uh, maybe yeah. looked did similar things but ended up losing like what would the outcome have been i mean obviously we don't we've said this many times we don't script the show we don't script the games we play them and it it ends how it ends and that's why sometimes people are mana screwed and yeah they don't make big plays and that's just the way that it goes we want the gameplay to be authentic uh well so all well so far all the spikes have been the decks i want right they have been related to them i would be interested in looking at a card like smothering tithe for instance in your boros deck which did Mm. an amazing job but the deck didn't win yeah but i think like we always say this like it's always nice when every deck has a chance to show what it's able to do at least once when you're playing game nights and maybe that's all it does actually take the winning might just be like a little extra value on top but maybe just the one singular big play is really the the only the the real showcase it needs right no, but it, I yeah. think Donald makes a good point. Like, Smothering Tithe, that was going to be the price it was going to be because that yeah. card's just amazing. Us yeah, showing yeah. it or not has nothing to do with how good that card is. <laughs> but I can see Shadowborn Apostles being a deck people, or or Animar Morph being mm-hmm. decks that just weren't on people's radars as, like, things that they would even think of building. And so that's, like, something like, oh, that looks cool and fun. I'm going to do that now. Yeah. Um, Speaking of things that aren't cool and fun, how about when we got stomped on the fan episode number 24 by a card called Kozilek? Oh, yeah. Thanks to Ashlyn. <laughs> so in this episode, this was the episode with Jacob and Ashlyn, and uh, I was playing my rune deck. Jimmy, you were playing Anna Fenza the mm-hmm. foremost. Ashlyn played Kozilek, a colorless deck, and Jacob was playing his Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better, which was Ikra Shadiki and Ludovic. And super, our most popular episode of Game Nights to date, if you just look at the metrics uh, from a oh, standpoint yeah. of like fastest out the gate, obviously it has less views than some of our episodes that have been around for two years, but the tra- trajectory is better than those. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people watched it. And yeah, I'm looking at a huge spike for specifically Kozilek. And the other commanders kind of didn't really have as much of an effect on them, it seems. 
uh, they just continue no. along the same path they were on. Nothing really happens, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't. Well, go ahead. Well, when I, I was gonna say when I think about these episodes as a viewer, right? Um, like if you ask me, hey, do you remember that episode where we had the fan and Ashlyn on? And I was like, yeah, that's the game with Kozak right. in it. I, I, I have no recollection at all oh, about what the other three decks were. Because right. it was That's such a standout thing for you. Uh, yeah, it just dominates at the end of the game yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, th there's other events in your games that are really memorable to me where I don't really remember the rest of the game. Like, I, I remember recently where uh, Rachel won with, like, Exanguinate yes. or something. Um, so, like, there, there's certain aspects of games that I remember that really stick with me a long time. And oh. uh, I think in a four-player commander game, sometimes I think just... It's hard to get everybody to stand yeah, out. It's definitely true. That's a very, very good point. Yeah, in the Rachel game, I would say the, the moment that, get call, that gets called out the most is the counterspell war that Rachel and I had yeah. because we're not in <laughs> counterspell colors. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, holy crap, counterspell war between Boros and Orzhov. Yeah. And uh, It'd be good to see how those specific weird cards did as well as a result. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, th I think the uh, the what, the general analysis here is that game winners tend to think make, make things a little more popular um, or it's someone that does something really big and splashy. And a really interesting point that you made, which is right, if you only remember one thing of the game, what is that? And that will most likely be the thing that's potentially affected mm -hmm. by the outcome of the game. Um, and it seems like it's always card-specific. Athreos itself didn't have a price hike, but the Shadowborn Apostles did. So the, it was the Apostles that was like the, the sought-after thing. Um, but it's cool. It pulled some cards for out of the dud range, I think, and, and made them into like flash-in-the-pan <laughs> status or, or at least flavor of the month. <laughs> but things tend to seem like they relax over time, right? Yeah, it, it never see. I never saw a spike from you guys that, uh, or, or even any spike for that matter. Um, it seems like once the 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 commander is like bottomed out, um, any spike that I see, I attributed some other spikes to some other content mm -hmm. creators, and there were also some random spikes that I really couldn't figure out why they happened. Uh, but but they almost always went. They were always spikes. There was never like a situation where like there was an Athreos type situation where that just got pulled out of you know flash the pants status into like a it's consistent that way uh yeah right I, I didn't see any of that cool. well that seems like the magic yeah. community in the whole something big and shiny comes up everyone goes oh i like it and then after a while something else comes up and you just turn your attention because there's just new stuff all the time it's it is interesting that there hasn't yeah. been really a single legendary creature that over time people have been like oh, i didn't like that at first but i do like it mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like they kind of revert to what they thought like nothing, yeah. nothing kind of pulls about yeah. that. Even Kozilek and Athreos just sort of settle back to where they were after a s slight surge in popularity after being featured on on our show. So, interesting. Well, yeah. Well, that does bring us. Yeah. The, the, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say that the the one yes oddity. Segway man thoughts. is here again. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he did it. <laughs> the mad lad. So we're on to final thoughts. Like. <laughs> wow, they're zooming by yeah, now. They're Jeez, better. I gotta get no, a segue. <laughs> Another data of note, there's some interesting anomalies <laughs> and cards that can point us towards something else, something more interesting. I think you're just about to get there. What is this card that we've been hinting at this whole show? This was the one I've been wanting to talk about. We could have just spent maybe a little while yeah. talking let's, about this. Let's not name it yet because I want uh, people to be able but, to guess. Yeah. Uh, okay. But just talk about how it's behaving differently. Yeah, so this one behaved differently in the sense that when, the, when it came out, um, uh, it was popular but not the most popular it was overshadowed by a, another commander that was really popular um but coming about like uh, i want to say looking at the stats six here months. about six months ago it started just steadily that was increasing. around six months after um, it came out uh yes mm. yeah so after six months i think everybody was done with it and then all of a sudden 
Uh, here we are again. To climb and, steadily um, from tick that tock, point. Tick tock. It does the Avatar yep. or the Titanic thing, which yeah, we don't yeah. really see any other commander doing, right? Right. Where? No, I, 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 I couldn't find another example of this. This is the only from example this data set. that I found oh, that looked like this. Okay, so yeah. you all out there are thinking, like, what could this card be? I'm going to give you one hint, and then we'll name it. Okay. Yep. The one hint is it came out about a year ago. Yeah. So and we talked about the card that overshadowed it in this episode already. Yes, and so yeah, and it was in a cycle mm-hmm. of similarly themed uh, three color commanders that all were elder dragons. There you go. So now we're getting closer. You're getting warmer. You're narrowing it down. I it's didn't not even Arcades, think, which did, we've already yes, talked about. Yeah, I didn't even think this was the most powerful of them either. I would have put the Jund one after this one. Mm. Interesting. After Arcades. And then I think I would have put this one second, but yeah. yeah. It is the big bad, Mr. Nicol Bolas, the Ravager. The creature version that flips into a Planeswalker. Right. So this is the one that makes everybody discard a card, and then, yeah, flips to the Planeswalker. Very, very good card. Yeah, it actually, yeah. So what have you seen trend-wise with this, Donald? Basically, um, I think once it was clear that we were leading up to some sort of uh, Nicol Bolas situation... And they, uh, I think it was around the time they printed um, that intermediate. Uh, I mean, I, I lose track of all the names of the Nickel Bowl Springs oh, right. now. Sort of the pre-con the, version. They, they, when they printed the one, for, uh, it was like the, the one in Ravnica, like a few sets ago. Um, in Ravnica, you mean it? It, it seems it, to be been going up. There's from God there. Pharaoh. God uh, Pharaoh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That one. So, so right around that time when it was released, it started going up. And uh, peaked most recently at War of the Spark. I wonder why. And, I mean, I can yeah. see why. Well, Nicol Bolas, yeah, it, as a story point, became much more of a focus and a highlight. And that could be one of the contributing factors here. He, he also got an incredible CG treatment done for him, right? We've never seen him cool look so like, cool yeah. before. And the same one for Liliana yeah. as well. I mean, just to, just to put yeah, a but, pin in it really quick here, or just to lay it out for people, what happens is M19 comes out. Arcades is far and away the most popular mm-hmm. commander. Yeah. Nicobolus is second, but pretty far behind. And Nicobolus steadily drops down for about the next six months. Arcadius drops down too, but is still more maintaining popularity above Nicobolus. And then about six months ago, Nicobolus starts to climb up in popularity steadily each month to the point where it actually crosses and is now more popular than Arcades. Interesting. Which is... No other lines on the graphs that we've looked at do anything like this. Yeah. They all kind of follow a similar trajectory. And as after they start going down, they just continue to either go down or flatten out. They never they don't really climb back up, you know, steadily over time. They might have a, a blip. Mm-hmm. But this is yeah, it's pretty weird. I mean it, it makes sense, you know, big bad. I think this is gonna keep climbing up as well just because the card itself is pretty powerful. It's in pretty popular color color combinations of blue and black and red. <laughs> but blue and black, you know, I, I, yeah. aside, that outside of green are considered, you know, best colors in EDH. So I could see a lot of reasons. And of course, Elder Dragon, I think has a teeny bit to do with it too. Well, and just Nickel Bullis, like Donald said, there's a bunch of Nickel Bulluses. You can put them all in that deck. It feels right. So there's those people. Yeah. Then also there's the people that are just look. No, I mean, I mean, like you know, if you're Vorthosi and whatever, there is that this, route to go, right? This this, this is drawing from yeah. that, you know, that well. But there's another well too of just like it's a good, powerful Grixis commander. In fact, and has a unique effect of turning into a planeswalker. And just everybody discarding a card is very powerful. If you can mm-hmm. do that a few times, multiple times, that can really wreak havoc on a table. I mean, his card advantage 
when it comes in. Right. So, and then, yeah, flipping into the Planeswalker, obviously the Planeswalker side is ridiculous. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a, v- a really good card and one that's actually probably better than the Arcades deck. Yeah. As far as, like, just power level Just wise. power level, yeah. Because Arcades not... makes you play defender creatures. And... I mean, that's a sweet deck and yeah. very powerful also, but I think the Nickel Bolas deck, you know, if you want it to be, it just has a higher top end than the Arcades deck does. Uh, so there's part of that going on. It's a, it's like I said earlier, it's a good blend of powerful and popular in this mm-hmm, case. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has super interesting, though. I mean, you look at all the other stuff around that time, and none of it's doing it what Nickel Bulls is doing, you know? Yeah. Pal- Palladium Ors, Victus, Asmati, Lathless. They're oh, no, all just red one. doing the normal stuff. They start out, you know, Chromium, that's moderately popular, and they dip down and just flatten out <laughs> after a while. Yeah, that seems to be the general trend yep. uh, overall. And I think, you know, cards that get a lot of initial excitement, but aren't that you know exciting in general tend not to stick you but you put slime foot as an example down which is like this is it this is the sapperling slime foot deck you can finally do it and it's a great commander and it can kill everyone but it's easy to envision and then i think hard for a lot of people to take that into reality as they realize maybe even in the process of doing it ah maybe this isn't what i want to do mm-hmm. maybe this isn't powerful enough yeah. this i don't really care that much about sapperlings dragons and and dinosaurs apparently though different case <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where are we here? I'm lost. Uh, we're we're talking about just final thoughts. Anything else that we we uh, came up with? I, I I liked how how rare cards make the staple list. I think that's correct. I think if every card made the staple list, um, we'd be designing too powerful cards too common too consistently. Uh, I think you need to have a mix of challenging people to build decks like Ashoth and keep things on the more casual side for what Commander is to me, as well as occasionally feeding in the more hardcore cards that like Urza. That obviously have a high power level, but you know, in cards like Sisse, which can sort of be taken in the planeswalker direction or just a straight power level, or or a themed one where you're just trying to get the weather light out, right? Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that, I think helps balance the format out instead of just consistently trying to create staples. And that's one of the difficulties of R and D. I do think, like, if you look at it, our little hypothesis that the most powerful is not always in the most popular mm-hmm. is pretty. Is you know, there's some exceptions, but I think it's it's pretty close. I don't think. Uh, Vanifar definitely not making it on the made it list. Right. It's kind of a big signpost saying that, you know, Tesa Karloff is more popular than than Vanifar, and it's definitely not more powerful. So yeah. that's encouraging to me. People love yeah, that. But that's encouraging to me because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's hopefully Wizard sees yeah. that and they make more cards. Like Tulsimir is very much higher than it probably should be. Gashoth. Right. Those are two cards that stand out as like and Arcades is another uh Real books, real big signpost of this sort of idea, which is that if feather, feather's another one, which yeah. is that if you make commanders that open doors that were previously closed, that's actually going to be more appealing to players than making commanders that just are raw power, power. Yeah. that are just going to be very strong. That's not as exciting to your average player as something that says, "Hey, now I give you this, and it unlocks the key to all these thousands of cards that were totally unplayable." Mm-hmm. And yeah. hey, it's going to be fun because you like big creatures, or it's going to be fun because you like big butts, yeah. defenders. You know, just like it sort of ha- appeals to different parts of, I think, player types and personalities. Yeah, another commander that just says, hey, you know, all those cards that you already know are really powerful, put them in this deck and then they'll be just a slightly better. Yeah. That's just not that exciting. Yeah. 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 I think also, too, the one thing that I find interesting is like this play on the commanders between sets like that follow up directly after each other. I mean, I think Simic is a really good example of this that hasn't really had any card that made it just because they've gotten so many good ones that yeah. do the same oh, thing. Yeah. Um, and um, Simic. 
you know, I think that 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 has something to do with or it too. Simic I think. having and, um, so many options that they now all do the same thing, where every time a Boros commander or a mono red commander goes out, everyone just holds their breath, hoping it does something new. I mean, look at Tashana, <laughs> which we said, hey, that's a flash in the pan. Yeah. Color shift that to Boros, and it's the best Boros commander ever, ever. right? <laughs> yeah. And people will be going nuts because it was just like all my Boros cards that li- don't do anything because I just can't play a Boros deck that's any good suddenly become awesome because yeah. I can have this new commander. So, Real value. Yeah, I'm Boros. not saying they should color shift and do that stuff. Yeah. Stay within the color pie, but Feather shows us there are ways to open doors that, w- that are closed right now, and yeah. I hope they keep doing it. Yeah. All right, to the listeners, there are so many legendary cards available to us uh, as commander players, do you see the same trends represented in your play group that we've talked about here today? Mm-hmm. Are there any patterns you've noticed? Which commanders seem to be the staples from the newer sets in your meta? Yeah, I'd love to know how other people's LGSs function or your or your play groups. If everyone is just like the no, we don't want to build the powerful things. So whoever does build Urza, sure you can do that, but none of us want to do it. Right. Or if everyone's like race to the finish, whose Urza is the best? Be interesting to see how that that plays out across the world. Nobody's wrong, by the way. No, everyone's right as long as everyone knows what everyone else is doing. I think the only way you get yourself into trouble is if you build that uber powerful Urza deck, and it's, everybody yeah. else in your playgroup is playing Gashoth level stuff. Just just make sure that that everybody knows <laughs> so they're on the same page. That's yeah. all. Don't yeah. pub stomp. We want to make friends, not you know. But it's totally cool. There's tons of group out there, and we hear from them all the time, yeah. and they're at the highest possible power level, and they love it, and that's great. A quick shout out to you, Donald, and EDH Rec. You all are doing so much on your website now. There is a podcast with Matt Morgan, Dana Roach, Joey Schultz. You guys have articles. You guys do brewing. You do deck techs. You do so much more. Um, Dana Roach is actually one of our patrons, too. So, Dana, you rock. You rock. Uh, Anything you want to tell (laughs) us about? Anything cool coming up in EDH Rec uh, uh, development that may be interesting to, to new users and old ones alike? Yeah. Well... I don't know if I'm allowed to bring this up. You we own have a the side. It's yours. You're allowed to do whatever you want. Sorry, it's a perfect I, time to hype it up. We stepped all over you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah we have an Oathbreaker hey. section coming out. So a lot of people are going to be excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like cautiously optimistic, and it wasn't. Well, you did well, brawl wreck for. It was a actually while. pretty easy for us to do because we already did all the work for brawl. So, um, <laughs> to add a new format, but, one of them's uh, got to hit eventually, right? Yeah. Or they'll all yeah. sort of just exist <laughs> in, like, it could be cool territory until it finally figures it out. I think we're all cautiously optimistic about things like Oathbreaker. Yeah. I I heard the... I, I haven't played it yet, but I have a couple of friends that really enjoyed the gameplay so far. So so we'll see. Um, I think from a deck-building aspect, it's, it doesn't excite right. me as much, though. Um, the uh, couple of things... You know, I, I think... Um, we're, we're trying to figure out more ways to get the users more involved in the website, uh, is mm-hmm. the best way of putting it. So um, we're constantly thinking about how to add this human element to the website. Um, one thing that we're working on right now is this uh, uh, this more like human written guide on EDH. It's like basically it's it's a, it's like a gamepedia oh, cool. kind of thing uh, that I have my writers kind of banging away at. It's taking a lot longer than I thought it was going to do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, we have like a couple interesting things That's going great. on. I think. Um, one thing that we're, we're kind of working on, we mentioned the competitive crowd a little bit. I think EDH Rec has slacked a little bit on, um, well, I mean, just naturally not catering mm-hmm. to that crowd due to the kind of averageness of the decks. And uh, we're, we're figuring out ways to build some features that I hope that they would uh, they would enjoy. And I've been working with the Lab Maniacs awesome. guys on that. I noticed recently um, you guys added, uh, you separated out lands into utility lands and yeah. like very useful lands by the way. that are there for mana yeah. index, which was so, nice. 
so, so let me kind of like give a shout out. Like a lot of like that feature took us, I don't know, a few hours to implement. And it was just this random recommendation from some user that sent it to us saying like, hey, it would be really nice if you separated these things out. I was like, man, that's such a good <laughs> idea. So if you think you have a good idea, you can send it to me uh, on Twitter, or Facebook, or there's an email at the bottom of the EDA trip page if there's something you've been wow. wanting us to do. Um, a lot of times I'll just say yeah. I don't feel like doing that. Uh, just, but uh, a lot, I, I get a lot of good ideas from my users, and and uh, a lot of the features. Well, EDA Direct, a place for the people, by the people, uh, and is going to be your new go-to if you're looking for Oathbreaker content soon. Um, Donald, how do they find you? What's your uh, Twitter? Do you prefer they tweet at the EDH Rec Twitter or at yours? Yeah, uh, that's 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 okay. my de facto. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The EDH Rec Twitter is something I'll see. If you email the the email at the bottom of the EDH Rec page, I'll see that. And then we also have a Facebook page, so go ahead and follow that. And uh, if you send us a direct message, um, actually, Jason Alt is more the master of the Facebook nice. page. But if you, so, if you want to talk to him, that's you scary. Can talk to him. <laughs> um. Now let's go, Jason. You got this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. The, actually, one thing we have in the works right now is uh, is a whole bunch of our crew is going to Magic Fest Vegas, and so we're we're kind of coming to, together. I'm I'm just planning out my decks cool. and stuff like that. That's what's going to Chow, right? You're in. We, yeah, let's I go. Think we're man. going. Yeah, it's so yeah, much the repeat. Last year. Let's do it. I, I I had I had really bad meat sweats <laughs> after that. I remember. That means you successfully <laughs> ate a fogo de chow. So congrats. Um, okay. Well. Yeah. No oh, salad yes. bar. No, 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 no. That doesn't the, exist. Donald and his whole crew are like, will shame you if you go to the salad bar at fogo de chow. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, that's uh, well, listen. Absolutely. We're all gonna walk out of here full. I don't think it matters very much if I have a little bit of cheese in there <laughs> or not. Wow. Which, by the way, they shamed me. I didn't go to the salad bar at all. So. Peer pressure. Got yeah, I know. You. I know. They got well, me. Well, let us peer pressure you, the viewer, into doing something else. And that is using our affiliate link at Segway Card Kingdom. Segway Man is so good today. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. We talked about a lot of cards today. And we talked about some awesome cards from Modern Horizons, especially ones that we think are going to be making it into the all-time list. So if you want to buy those cards, type in that affiliate link, and you are right there. That's all you have to do. And just continue shopping like normal. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. And if you're going to build Urza... Specifically, I know Urza, there is a Ultra Pro playmat of oh, yeah. that uh, commander that looks sweet. Yeah, there's very likely to be sleeves and the other accoutrements that go around with it. Um, any of the stuff from Modern Horizons, they're going to have themed things that are going to go with your deck. And I like having my battlefield be, mm -hmm. you know, themed if possible. You know, it's oh, cool yeah. to have like the Hapatra playmat, the Hapatra sleeves. You know, just makes you feel better. It also intimidates your opponent, or at least I think it does. I like to think it does. Yeah. Does it? Probably doesn't. <laughs> I think no, your actions think in the so. game are always what intimidates me most. <laughs> and then the rest of it's just like a nice flex, bro. That's a, that's a cool-looking board you got there. <laughs> well, Ultra Pro is your best, best place to go for all that stuff. So by supporting them, you are supporting us. All right. Uh, now moving on to the end step where we are supposed to talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I Donald. have prepared nothing. Donald. Oh, wait. I, I have oh. something, Donald. But, but we always let the guests go. So if you've got something cool... Yeah. Outside the world of magic that you want to talk about. Otherwise, I can save us. You don't, please. <laughs> okay, yeah, so this weekend I was uh, in Yosemite. Oh yeah, Yosemite National Park, which is in uh, Central California, one of the one of the natural wonders of the world. I'd say Half Absolutely. Dome and El Capitan and uh, the large granite mountains there. And I we did a bunch of hiking and stuff, and we were staring at El Capitan, which is this three thousand foot high monolith mountain. Yeah just glass granite thing that you can just stare at for hours. And of course that made me go home and have to watch the movie that from last year that I did not watch. 
until now, which is Free Solo. Free Solo. So Free Solo is about a guy named Alex Hanold, who is a... Honold. Honold, sorry. Who is a professional rock climber. This guy is the first person ever to free climb, which means no ropes mm-hmm. of any kind, El Capitan, uh, in history of the world. And it's what most climbers say is the hardest mountain climb on the planet. Which usually takes professional climbers anywhere from two to three days to finish. Sometimes six, seven. We, we were watching some people up there that had been up there for three days, and they had three to go mm-hmm. uh, on this trip. And he did it in under four hours with no ropes. Yep. Free climbing is what Alex Honnold does. He's, I arguably, he's the best climber in the history. world. In, in history, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this feat is unparalleled, but the movie's very thrilling because it's all about the documentary crew that have to accompany him and film him without disturbing him and also potentially film his death should he fail or mess up one thing on this climb. It's pretty crazy. Even knowing that he makes it, it's still nerve-wracking the whole time he's doing it. That's oh, how good it is. There was so much lead-up to it yeah. as well, uh, including his personal relationships yep. as well as his training and like just the mundane like life things he's doing, like buying a house. Yeah, <laughs> that all are inside this like pursuit to to do the unthinkable. Well, they also do this thing where they put yeah. him in, in an MRI and they uh, oh right they scan his brain and they notice that like the part of his brain that like processes fear is like it's not like it's <laughs> not there. Or broken technically, but it's like turned way down so yeah. that like stuff that would cause fear in normal people, he nothing happens to him. He has to be in extreme situations to feel what we would think of as more mild fear. So yeah. it, it does make sense kind of that he's pushing himself to the limit all the time because when he's in those situations, he's maybe feeling the amount of fear we would feel on like a roller coaster or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, in a I just... nice safe setting. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Free Solo, it did win the Academy Award for Best Documentary, so mm-hmm. it's not something that probably a lot of you haven't heard of. But if you've been on the fence or just haven't had the time like me to check it out, I would highly recommend it. It it's, is riveting. It's a fast watch, too. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm someone that's rock climbed for many years of my life. And if you are in any way a fan of that sport, this movie is like a it's an amazing thing to watch for you as well, just because you get to see a master in, in the works. I and also, a crazy person. And a crazy person. I actually saw Alex Honnold at oh, a climbing you? gym in Los Angeles with his girlfriend... On Sunday. Oh, really? Just like yeah. a couple days ago? Yeah. Well, I got there and, and there was like this whispering. I'm like, what's going on? I was like, dude, Alex Honnold's here. And it was like, oh, cool. And it's like, is he like <laughs> doing a, a, I don't know, like a book tour or something? He's like, no, he's just climbing. And then my friend's like, yeah, I said hi to him. And he just went, hi. <laughs> just like very he, he awkward. He does come off as an awkward guy. Yeah, socially, he's just yeah. totally just like a, a climber awkward bro. And yeah. it was great because I saw him walking <laughs> away and you could just tell him just sort of plodding away. just like going about his life. Just literally one of the greatest. It's like if you walked into a basketball gym and Jordan was there. Yeah, just like shooting around. Yeah, and then, but also very awkward and nervous, and then leaving <laughs> before the gym got too busy. So that was cool to see. All right, very cool. Make sure to check it out. And something else you should check out is our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic. They're going to have a lot to say these days because oh, yeah. Modern Horizons is coming out or has come out when this podcast is out. It'll definitely be out by then. Yeah, yeah, so check them out. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find them on YouTube. Just type in Masters of Modern into your search bar there. They're also right next to us at Collected.Company. Actually, I think it'll be the pre-release that will happen before the, uh, the, the episode comes out. But yeah. It's coming out very soon, so make sure you check them out to see what their thoughts are. Our editors for the show are Ashlyn Rose, Jared Lafreniere, and Josh Murphy. Murph. Murph. 
And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, as always, for the Living Cards animations behind us. And on the beginning and ending of the episodes, you can find him at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. And of course, very special thank you to Donald from EDH Rec for providing all of this invaluable data today for us to parse through and organize into this outline. Um, it definitely was a team effort, and we know a lot of people over at EDH Rec and your squad helped assemble this. So a big shout out to them as well. Thanks, Donald, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, Donald, hopefully let's not wait uh, what, three years or whatever until you're back. Four years, I believe. <laughs> Was it that long? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> pretty crazy. That is pretty nuts. Make sure you guys check out EDH Rec. It is the place to go to if you need to start building a deck or you just have questions about a deck or you just want to see cards that are similar in decks that are things you want to do. Just, just go there. EDH I use it literally long. every time I build a deck. I don't think yep. I've built a deck in the last like two years where I didn't open EDH Rec. Yeah, yeah. same here, same here. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.